Abolition. Abolition. Through the form of Alabama movement is at the forefront of exposing these inhumanities or, you know, calling a spade a spade. Uh, you know, we're reaching out to all our affiliates, all our allies, and, you know, calling all people to arms, you know, all boots on the ground. Whatever it is you do, you know what I'm saying, we're asking you to, get to go 100% in doing that. It's time that we turn up the pressure. It's time that we turn up the heat um, because, you know, as we said a couple of weeks ago uh, in the show that we did of why we can't wait, you know what I'm saying? Our lives are at stake. Our lives are at We can't afford to wait. We can't afford to wait. People are dying every day. I know time coming, but I know change's going to come. Change's going to come. Change's going to why does me being black make police upset? Why does me being black make them think I'm a threat? George Floyd ain't deserve to have that knee on his neck. Got to kill Breonna Taylor and get arrested yet. I'm with the looters and I'm with the people that protest. I'm a king, but it's by any means like Malcolm X. Stacking like they'll make bullets that can go through your vest. Or we can headshot you like fuck aim if you get checked. What if we take a dick cause we tired of being no press? I woke up this morning, Lord, but I don't feel blessed. The systematic racism shit got me depressed. Got me looking at you funny, Lord. I gotta confess, I ain't never questioned my faith like this. I'm like either God on their side or God don't exist. Either your head's praying or you just don't give a fuck on on 500 kids. These white people been killing us. What kind of God sit back and let that happen? I just need some answers to these questions that I'm asking. See, he pulled up on me when I was asleep. Like you and your people's man up with Charlie Wolf, we got a sheet. That guy what it takes to win if you decide to fight. Y'all just gotta organize, strategize, you know you're nice. I ain't in the jungle telling lions don't kill shit. I had to set up and listen. He was saying some real shit. Pardon me for coming at you like that. Amen. Malcolm X is out here trying to tell us the same thing. Revolution being televised all over Instagram. That's the piece of race. Sean Brooks, look how police just did the man. Said if we get the looting, then they gon' get the shooting. Just know I ain't got a problem playing Huey P. Newton. And if I see an op, I'm still gon' let the top fly. Black lives matter, but certain niggas still gotta die. Oh, Chugging and jiving, uh-huh. we fighting back now when enough of us just dying. Motherfuckers been trying to eliminate us for over 400 years. They must really hate us, really mad they ain't us. Uh-huh. Fuck racism, now racism got hard. That Trump gave some, tell you niggas like this in the name of George Floyd. Police hit me and the peace shit, oh boy. All best off, we coming just like the Panthers. They shoot and kill us and say violence ain't the answer. So what's the question, nigga? My only question is. Us and weighing down our patience, and we gon' need more than reparations. The wrong generations, we ain't going to no cotton field. Racist ass crackers fuck around and get shot and killed. You still mad about Emmett Till? So until somebody make that right, they better chill. They better kill me or free me. I'ma be on the front line, nigga. Every time you see me, young UEP, I'm king in his last days. Harriet lead his slaves to the pathways. These are the last days of white supremacy. It's a system. Racism's a reality, they tell you that you got a victim's mentality. Those that catch Malcolm 
talk about said you see them they gotta go first if you really want freedom enemy is the enemy black skin or not sell out niggas harriet with a shot Jumped on Robert Earl, man. The police just did this shit, man. Look, you can see they drug him out of here. Look at all this blood, man. They drug him out of here, bro. Look at this shit, man. Look at this shit. Turn the light on. Turn the light on, bro. Oh, nah, y'all. Here. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this shit. Shit. All the goddamn amazing shit, man. Look at this shit. <laughs> They drug him out of here, bro. Know what I'm saying? I'm bumping with some more police on the other side. I'm bumping with some more police on the other side. They done made the fuck out of me. Know what I'm saying? Jump on Jersey. <coughs> Jump on Jersey. Goddamn. Jump on Earl. Griffin did this shit, man. Griffin did this shit. What the fuck? And um, they they realize like I guess they realize who he is, and it's like man, some old brothers telling you this, uh uh uh, Nardo, um Muse, um some old brothers who witnessed it, they telling me that Earl was trying to get back to the cell, and Sergeant Milton, um Griffin, um uh 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 Bindle, um Brian, all of them, they rushed over there, they maced him, and even after he was on the ground and everything, they just went to beat him with the stick. Bro, man, his head is all that blood. You got to know all that blood. Man, his head was like bust. Yeah, I seen, I, I seen all the blood. Tooth. I got a tooth right here, nigga. Yeah. I got a fucking tooth right here, bro. You know what I'm saying? I seen that. They knocked his tooth out too. Yeah, they knocked, they knocked, they knocked man. Tooth tooth. I seen, I seen the amount of blood, the amount of blood. I seen that. I, I hey, hey, I'm finna, I'm finna shoot yeah, up. You know I'm finna shoot up to another sale. I'm finna shoot up to another sale, bro. You just heard a clip from Free Alabama movement co-founder and Alabama resistance movement founder Kinetic Justice, followed by a song that just came out four days ago by Uncle Murder, entitled Change Gonna Come, featuring my son and Tamika Mallory. And that was followed by an audio clip from inside the prison where Kinetic Justice was just brutally assaulted by prison guards. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today a weekly syndicated online program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org. My name is Yusuf Hassan, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Peace, Brother Yusuf. I'm here uh, at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina, streaming live. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. So last week our guest was Dr. Robert Chase, who, as uh, you can recall, was the former public historian at the Avery Research Center for African American History and Culture, and he's currently an associate professor in the Department of History at SUNY uh, State University of New York. That's uh, Stony Brook out on Long Island. And he's the author of We Are Not Slaves, State Violence, Coerced Labor, and Prisoners' Rights in Post-War America. This week we have something special planned for the program. You know, we'll be joined uh, shortly by some of our longtime comrades in the slavery abolitionist movement. We'll go back to the days of New Abolition Radio. So stay tuned because you don't want to miss this. And, of course, we got some dope music, some spoken word, the voices of our ancestors reclaimed without bridging the gap segment. So let's get started. Uh, Max, you know, we're really starting the show, you know, with with a really heavy issue. Yeah. As, uh, for those that don't know, Kinetic Justice is one of the hosts uh, of Live from the Plantation, which you can find right here on Abolition Today at abolitiontoday.org. And, uh, you know, they seems like he's been targeted. But from what I understand, Brother Ben New is going to call in tonight and break down exactly what happened. Um, there was an attack on several inmates at the prison in Alabama. Uh, from, you know, the brutality that I was hearing just unnerving. The videos that we saw, which you heard the audios of, are just gruesome. And this is in a facility that has already been deemed to be a literal crime against humanity that violates 8th and 14th Amendments habitually, systemically. It's being sued already by the feds, the Department of Justice, because they refuse to do anything about the conditions in which these brothers exist under. Uh, and the women, too, over at Tutwana. Uh, right. And this, this is where we're at with it right now. So hopefully it, somewhere along the line we'll... I'll see uh, the news number up there, and he'll uh, break down what it is that's going on. And I'm deferring to him not only as another co-host of Live from the Plantation and also as a founder of Free Alabama Movement along with Brothers on the Inside, as you know. And if you listen into our programs, you already are aware, have organized to the point where they're in control of the narratives that come out. They're in control of the information. They'll let you know Mm -hmm. what it is they want you to put out there. And they're fully capable of organizing to make it happen, and they have done so. So that was a powerful introduction, and it's par for the course for us here at Abolition today. Um, and the music was was definitely uh, that was some fire right there, brand new. Fire. Yeah, yeah, murder brings it, man. Murder brings it. Uh, do we have a new one yet? I'm looking for the Alabama area code, and I don't see it. So uh, what we'll do, I guess. Um, is when he does come in, we'll bring him in and he can give us the update at any time during the program. Uh, We're going to focus on the Constitution today, uh, particularly those pillars of the Constitution that allow legal slavery to continue to exist, like the Eighth Amendment violations we just mentioned, the Sixth Amendment violations, the Fourth Amendment violations. And, you know, people talking about, particularly in, in politics that the U.S. population doesn't know about the Constitution. They don't even know their own rights, and this is true. How can you defend something that you don't even know exists? You know, and, and it's not just on you, although you should know your rights. You should have, like, the Bill of Rights memorized, at least 10 of them, uh, if not have a copy of it around you. But there are people who swore oaths 
to defend those rights on your behalf. And as it turns out, they don't know them either. So they violate them all the time. So we got a we got a clip uh, from CBS News where they talk about uh, the status of the Constitution in the uh, U.S. Uh, mental uh, cognitive uh, awareness of those rights therein. So let's play that. When we come on the other side, we're going to start bringing in our callers because we want them to listen to this as well as the opening track that you just heard. So after this uh, clip, we'll bring in our callers and you guys can start commenting all you want on it. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. I'm talking about the Constitution, uh, that 233-year-old rule book for American life and governance that is especially relevant right at this moment. Consider this. The inauguration process detailed in the 20th Amendment, the impeachment process that is described in Article 1, Sections 2 and 3, and the 2020 election results were certified by the states and counted by Congress, all of it in accordance with Article 2 and the 12th Amendment. Here's the problem. For all of its wisdom, the Constitution is in trouble for this reason. Most Americans do not know what's in it. We the people have been talking a lot about our founding document. This document. Republicans and Democrats say they're protecting it. We love the Constitution. We love America. And President Trump referenced the Constitution no fewer than 16 times ahead of the riot at the Capitol this month, urging supporters to fight a supposedly unconstitutional election. You're sworn to uphold our Constitution. We are living in unprecedented times. Jeffrey Rosen is a CBS News constitutional law expert, the person we turn to for knowledge of our nation's charter. The Constitution is a 7,500-word blueprint for America establishing our national government, basic rights, and a process for addressing our problems, at least in theory. The Constitution provides as many questions and answers, and it provides a forum or a platform for civil dialogue and debate so we can peacefully resolve those questions. Rosen is also president of the National Constitution Center, where web traffic is at an all-time high which isn't exactly a good thing. What does it say about us as a country that at this moment in time, so many of us had to go to the National Constitution Center to refresh our memory of the document that undergirds our country? There's no doubt that we are in a crisis of civic education. The framers knew that the consequences of constitutional ignorance and being guided by passion rather than reason were armed mobs. Well, we just saw that they were right about that. Every immigrant to this country has to pass a civics test to become a naturalized citizen. So we borrowed some basic questions from that very exam. We've got some trivia questions. Can we ask you a few? To get a sense of just how deep a crisis we're in. How many people are in the House of Representatives? I don't know. Twelve? Fourteen? The House? Uh, no, no, not the, the house. whole uh, country? Eighty. We assumed Americans by birth might do at least as well as Americans by choice. But can you name the three branches of government? Judicial? Yeah, that's one. Oh, my husband's going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) However, the vast majority of people were stumped. Who is the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court? So we have nine of them? We have nine of them, and there's a chief. I don't know. The Chief Justice? Trump. 
The Chief Justice is not Trump. <laughs> Sometimes their fellow Americans tried to help. Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. John. Yes, there it is. He got it. Well done. But it was clear most people could use a refresher. Who signs a bill into law? It's not officially a law until this person signs it. It's, uh, what do you call his name again? Oh, boy. Oh, you know this. And many of us haven't read the Constitution in years, if ever. Ooh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, probably middle school? Never, never. Never read it. I'm sure hardly anybody read it. And sure enough, a 2019 survey found only four out of every ten Americans could pass the citizenship test. That feels like an embarrassment to me. You could call it a scandal. I call it actually a proxy for a larger set of problems. Raj Vinokota runs the nonprofit that conducted that survey. The Institute for Citizens and Scholars aims to reimagine and rebuild the field of civic learning in order to reconnect America to its constitutional roots. So you need to understand how our government works and elections and so on. But you also need to understand why we set it up that way. And if you don't understand both of those pieces, you are going to be in trouble and you can't actually function effectively in our society. What worries me the most about constitutional ignorance is the same worry that the framers had, that without constitutional education, the republic will collapse. The republic will collapse. The revolution wasn't televised in the 60s. Uh, is it going to be televised in the 90s? Well, you know, the, the, the catchphrase, what that was all about, uh, the revolution will not be televised, that was about the fact that the first change that takes place is in your mind. You have to change your mind before you change the way you live and the way you move. So when we said that the revolution would not be televised, we were saying that like that, that, that the thing that's going to change people is something that no one will ever be able to capture on film. It will just be something that you see and all of a sudden you realize, I'm on the wrong page. Or I'm on the right page, but I'm on the wrong note. And I've got to get in sync with everyone else to understand what's happening in this country. Mm-hmm. But I think that the black Americans have been the, the, the only real diehard Americans here because we, we're the only ones who who carried the process through the process, that everyone else has sort of like skipped stages. We're the ones who marched, we're the ones who carried the Bible, we're the ones who carried the flag, we're the ones who tried to go through the courts. And, 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 and being born American didn't, didn't seem to matter because we were born Americans, but we still had to fight for what we were looking for. And we still had to go through those channels and those processes. Abolition. 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 You just heard a clip of CBS News, Nobody Knows the Constitution, followed by Gil Scott Heron, The Revolution in Your Mind. So we're having some technical difficulties behind the scene. Uh, Max's computer froze on him. He's trying to get back in. So we can just uh, bear with us for a few minutes. Uh, I don't know what number uh, Ben New normally calls in from. So I'm going to bring in our callers, and then when Max gets back, we can bring Brother Benu in and see if uh, he's on the line. So I'll bring in, uh, let's see, 803-445. I got you on the line, 913-286, you're on. 704-817, you're on. Anyone there? Can you all hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, I got you, Scotty. 
Scotty, I got you. And Johan, and are you there? I am. I am. Peace okay. God. And is that uh, Brother Otis? Are you there? Eight oh three. You're on the air. Okay. So I guess that person may be away from their phone. I'm just uh, Scotty and uh, Johan, and if you brothers can bear with me for a second, I'm trying to find Brother Benu to bring him on, and I'm hoping he's here. Yeah, let me just say uh, that my heart and my prayers are with Kinetic Justice in the belly of the beast, and I don't have all the details. I I just heard something a little earlier on social media that um, he, he had been attacked, and so yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from, you know, the brothers that know exactly what happened. So Right. Okay, I think I have him. I think I have it. I think I have him now. Bear with me for a second. Brother uh Benu, is this you? 757? No, 757 is Otis. Okay. Hold on one second, Otis. I'm just trying to find Brother Benu. So we can, 646, is this you? Is this you, Brother Benu? Okay, I'm not sure. Yourself, if you tell him to just hit the number one on his keypad, that'll uh, mark the board so you know which one is him. Yeah, you know, I've completely forgotten about that. Brother Benu, if you're on the line, press the number one so we can bring you in because... Everyone that's tuned in is waiting to hear from you so we can know what's going on, you know, because there's a lot of information out there and a lot of misinformation, and we definitely believe you're the one most qualified to address the situation. Okay, so it appears he's not on the line right now. So in the meantime, we got Brother Otis here. We got Brother Scotty here with uh, Brother Johanan and myself and we can keep the conversation going until Max gets back here and also until uh, Brother Benu is able to call in. So uh, I'll start with you, uh, Brother Otis. Start with me. I'm the one that's fortunate to have been along this ride. I just got a notice from Facebook, seven years riding with Scotty Reed and Max on this journey to learn about how to advocate for abolition. I'm going to turn it over to them because they're they're much more in tune with what's going on, man. But I, I'm honored to be here with you. Well, definitely honored to have you here, uh, brother Johanan. Man, I don't think I've been on the call with you in about six years, man. Is he there, Johanan? Are you there? I am. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, brother. It's definitely good hearing from you again, man. Peace, peace. Good to be in the room. Good to be in the room with some serious individuals that know what's going on. If uh, we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton. If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton. <laughs> I don't even know why that played. It seems like we have all kinds of stuff going on with the boys, hey, man. 
This ain't nothing you know, new. We've been doing this. Yeah, Blog years. Talk Radio everybody, Network is out here trying to shut us down right yeah. now. Every everybody on this call knows how these things can can go. So yeah. yeah. All you know, all of a sudden Max's computer is down and he can't right. get back on the line. So yeah, nothing new, but definitely good to be back they, in the room like you said with some serious people, man. Right. So I'm interested in uh so you all heard the uh CBS News clip that we just played. Nobody knows the constitution. And I'd like to uh get some feedback from you all. So let's how about we start with you, Scotty? Um, exactly. So, you know, the constitution is what brought me into the abolitionist uh movement. Um our abolitionist movement has been going on inconsistent since the end of the Civil War and individuals recognizing that, hey, something is wrong with that 13th Amendment. You know, what we see happening on the ground, and when we look at that 13th Amendment, it's all legal. And this is just another form of slavery. So, you know, um, I had considered myself a, a student of history. And when I say that, I mean when I was in high school, Instead of talking to other class members and stuff like that in our history class, I will be in that book. My head will be buried in that book. But interestingly, you know, as far as my high school education went, they didn't teach us nothing about the U.S. Constitution. And it was sometime about eight or nine years ago, you know, sometimes God, the uh, yeah, God, whatever you call that, that uh, higher, higher being, whatever you call him, or her by, you know, but sometimes, you know, it's just the universe. Some people call it the universe speak to you. And, and something just told me, look up the 13th Amendment. So it popped in my head. I was like, yeah, let's, let me pull this up. And so I read it and always having a, under, a, a real high comprehension of English, um, I guess from me reading so much as a child, I knew right away that what that exception clause, except for, I knew what the definition of the word except means. And and so mm-hmm. I knew it was a problem right away, so I went online and started searching for uh, other people who might have some knowledge about that information. One of the first uh, books I came across was um, Prison Slavery by Lee Wood, and I believe Miss Espinoza, I might have her her, her name wrong. Um, but Lee Wood wrote where he clearly put the focus on the 13th Amendment uh, for prison slavery, and that was a book written in 1972, and it was only by chance and someone having the forethought to put the book online because, again, the Internet wasn't around in 72, and, and, and so I actually was able to contact Mr. Wood and, and start a little podcast with him, and then when that wasn't able to continue, I started searching for other people. That's how I came across Max and New Abolitionist Radio was born. Um, And, you know, of course, later hooked up with Johanan. And so, you know, my whole thing as an abolitionist is I felt like the best thing I could do in the area, it was perfect for the area I was working in, which is media. And why I founded a nonprofit Black Talk Media project and established the Black Talk Radio Network was because information was being kept from the masses. And so, you know, along this journey, I was willing to find uh, uh, other individuals willing to invest their time because ain't none of y'all getting paid to be no abolitionists. We ain't drawing checks from nobody or nothing like that. Um, right. You know, and it was 
and so we we all met each other. The universe brought us into each other's path, and now you have a bill in Congress that's looking to remove the exception clause from the 13th look Amendment. Look at that. So, and yeah. yeah, look look at where we are now, because, you know, it's ironic, you know, when I was uh, out in Patterson working for an organization and we scheduled a spoken word event, this is uh, 2009-ish, and you know, I happened to come across Max on Facebook. I think I've met him through uh, Kamal Supreme, you know, Kamal Amani, the poet out of Inglewood, New Jersey. You know, and Max came up, and here I am, you know, thinking I'm a student of law and, you know, a student of the Constitution. And, you know, the first words Max out of Max's mouth is, what do you know about the 13th Amendment? And, you know, I went and looked at the 13th Amendment, and then it's like, all the time, I was saying a lot of stuff, but always overlooking the 13th Amendment, look, overlooking the exception clause. Because in my mind, you know, because of how I was taught in school, you know, 13th Amendment ended slavery and the Emancipation Proclamation and all of that stuff. And from that day, school, I was just deep Not in just my studies. School. Not just through school, but through the movies, you know, Spielberg. All oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, you'll be hard-pressed before, what's her name, uh, Ava DuVernay came out with the 13th. You'll be hard-pressed. I think the only guy you'll find is slavery by another name. That right. Points out, points out the 13th. Absolutely. And, and thankfully, we have Max back on the line now. Uh, hey, peace, everybody. Hey, Scott, you sound kind of muted there at that last part of your conversation, uh, like you were a distance away. Um, couldn't really hear you too clearly, uh, but uh, appreciate you guys uh, being here today. Thank you very much. Uh, pardon my interruption, but uh, we're we haven't installed our second computer yet, and this one sometimes can't take it, <laughs> and it froze up on me. So my bad about that. Uh, I'm glad you guys heard that CBS News report about you know the problem is that we have uh, a republic and without the people understanding the constitution that republic is doomed for failure that it just can't stand like that's the whole thing behind it is these rights that you supposedly have the reason soldiers go out to war to protect those rights the reason that we have police to protect those rights and fbi and all these different agencies is all based around the supreme law of the land which is the constitution and most of us don't even know what it is i think they said in that report that four out of ten americans born in this country, couldn't pass a citizen's test, <laughs> you know? Right. And at least uh, in some of those rights that you are entitled to are uh, life or death circumstances, the Eighth Amendment, cruel and unusual punishment, uh, whether or not you spend the rest of your life in prison because of the Sixth Amendment, uh, Fourth Amendment, illegal searches and seizures, you know, even First Amendment violations where uh, voices in minority communities are completely drowned out or left out from federal funding uh, or you mm-hmm. can't find. So I have some questions that I want to go down the line with and ask a few people some questions since y'all here. With all <laughs> collective wisdom, like 10, 20, 30, there's like a hundred years of wisdom right up in here. And abolitionism. Right. You know what I mean, right. So here's a, the first question. Are we in a lawless land? Uh, Brother Johanna, let's start with you. Are we in a lawless land? And I'm referring to the violations being done to the Constitution. Has it been so violated that we're now in a lawless land? 
Well, not to try to be too abstract, but as we've been taught, the law is for the lawless. So I think that's something that really needs to come into play when you consider whatever efforts, (laughs) as you heard the sister saying, these are the master looters of the planet that even established this, this prison colony in the first place. So when you say, are we in a lawless land, to a certain degree, the laws were only created because it's a place full of lawless people that established it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to deal we're trying to deal with the legacy of complete <laughs> lack of law, complete lack of order, complete lack of righteousness that even established this whole thing. There's no there's no escape in that. And that's what we see still to this day is the same old trend. It, it was always about crooks trying to steal, kill, destroy, hide it cover it up, exalt themselves as being something special, and run everybody else down. And that's still what they're trying to do. They just they just got the guy out of office that was the king of doing that. And he brought a whole bunch of millions of people out that love that type of thing. So this is a lawless place, and they're trying to put laws on it because they can't do anything out of just genuine righteousness or genuine goodness in the first place. So it, I don't expect it's going to change. Thank you for that. And I want to ask you a follow-up question, too, which is uh, another subject. Uh, I meant to do this when you were going to be our guest at one point, but in the future you'll be again, so we'll bring you back in. But I'd like to know your perspective at this point. You were in on this movement when it was really uh, only about getting the words out. Like, people wasn't even talking about it at all. So we were like, we just need them to talk about slavery and abolition. And that was how simple it was. And then to see, as Scotty mentioned today, where we have joint resolutions to repeal and replace 13th Amendment, as well as as many as 30 states involved in slavery abolition. So what is your perspective in that holistic at this time? Just from the standpoint, and just to be sure that I'm understanding what you're asking me, from the standpoint of where we came from, like when I joined you, brothers, and and to where we're at now? Yes, Man, I, it's we early in the program, Max, for me to start bringing it down, man. I, I don't want to. You know, there's a certain degree of cynicism that you know just comes with familiarity with you know with the territory. It, it, so I'm not trying to sound cynical, or I'm definitely not a doom gloom person. I mean, just like you've been working, we all working in our ways and trying to kind of do what we can to keep keep things going forward as best we can. But at the end of the day. These people aren't in control. They're not in the positions they're in because they sleep on anything. And so when I first hooked up with this movement, I was listening to Political Prisoner Radio on Sunday night, and I think I heard Scotty bring you on as a guest, and then abolitionism came into that conversation. And that same night, I reached out to y'all and said, yeah, I want to be a part of it too. And so I had a little bit of knowledge about this, Stuff, I'd say maybe 2011, 10, 11, somewhere in there. I saw something that referenced the Thurgood Marshall Jr. and I just was intrigued, like, oh wow, Thurgood Marshall, mm-hmm. what's he doing? And I googled mm-hmm. his name just to see what he was doing and saw he was a board member of a private prison company. And so then that rabbit hole opened up and I went right the hell on down it. And here we are now, years later. And so saying all this to say, the same way. We've all kind of given, or some of us have given our perspective of where we came into this ed and our, our previous knowledge and our, our knowledge base and, and all these things and how we got to this point. 
is a natural organic growth pattern for people that are admittedly ignorant of a situation and self-educated, linked up with other folks that were like-minded, grew that movement. And so this is where we've come to of our best efforts combined. And with that said, people that establish this and maintain this and have an interest in keeping control through these methods knew about this the whole time. And they're watching right. our movement. We we saw Black Lives Matter. I'll never forget that. I'm not here to, mm-hmm. to you know take a crap on them, but I, we witnessed that. We witnessed that. If we were doing Ferguson is America, yep. the work you were doing, Max, at that time, getting into the granular level and showing us on just the, the – nobody in this nation has broken down this subject to that mm-hmm. level that you took it to. And they probably never will again. So we've seen this information, and right when we bring in the truth to these people, in the midst of the fight, see, the capital insurgents or whatever is, is years after Ferguson, is years after so many other places that we was right there at the front lines then trying to tell them what's up. And they brought us Black Lives Matter, and they brought us leaders within Black Lives Matter that could give a damn about what the abolitionist movement was talking about. Hmm. Say it again, brother. So this is this is where I'm coming from is seeing that I know we're coming from a righteous place. I know we have intelligent, brilliant brothers and sisters, hardworking people. I know we reach across because these people try to bring so many different perspectives of how the movement should be handled, how we can get progress. If we if we focus on intersectionality, if we focus on bringing these people that are on the outside to the middle of the subject, so we can do all this. And if we focus on everything other than the fact that you black. And that's why you deserve what you're going to get from America. If we take any other perspective, then maybe we can get progress. No, that's what it really is. That's what it's been. That's what it's going to continue to be. So these people are focusing on all these other little things to give us some bits and pieces of what we're saying after they've got control, after they've got, just like I sent you that link about the latest dive of the prison stocks because Biden makes this claim that they're going to stop with the contracts and all that stuff. And you saw it and I saw it and immediately recognized yeah, it's platitudes, man. It's something they put out there to make it look good. But what's really going on? Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying these people control these things. They they don't let movement happen within the situation until they've got another way to work around it. And that's just how it is. So until we actually go on and, and, and bust a grape, it's going to be feeling good about things that look good on paper and kind of change things. And God bless our brothers kinetic we're talking about right now the same shit i'm sorry the same things is going on these people still bleeding to death people still starving going on hunger strikes people still fighting for their lives in inhumane conditions and nobody cares covid then swept through this whole country and killed off countless people behind bars it was in there on non-violent drug-related offenses for drugs that's legal now this is so far beyond anything that anybody is even willing to talk about. Yeah, I'm happy there's something a bill in Congress, but look how far behind Congress is of the situation yet again. So, like I said, I don't mean to get the I don't want to get the conversation going too far off on where I met with it, but I call BS when I see it, and these people don't impress me. I feel you on that, brother. I, I hear where you come from, and I appreciate your perspective. It took us 250 years, roughly, to get from. 1619 to 1865 And then it took us another 155 years just to get to this point uh, And we're Very near where our ancestors were In that fight um, Once again, this time we're hoping To learn from the mistakes of others uh, I want to pass this mic around And uh, 
talk about some history. So I got a question, and I think I'll give it to Tag. Tag, are you there? Brother Tag, you there? Not on any of the open lines. Maybe he's on okay. one of the closed lines. Remember, if, you, if you're participating tonight, press uh, number one on your keypad so that we know uh, you are one of the participants and we'll bring you in. All right, awesome. So maybe right, that's so him on 646. That might be him, right? Is that you, Tag? Yeah, peace. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes, we can peace, hear you. brother. Welcome to the show. Indeed. Peace, Welcome peace to Abolition Today. Uh, another one of those vets. One, <laughs> another one of those vets, man. So I want to ask you a question as a researcher. Has there ever been a time when our rights were respected? And I, I know the answer, you know, but I, I want to hear it from you. What is your perspective at that? Has there ever been a time? When the rights, and I say our, as descendants of the diasporas, was there ever a time when our rights were respected equally? When you say ever, it, it brings us to a, to a different uh, level of history, I would say, but certainly in, in the history of, of this, corporate, uh, this, this corporate development called the U.S., and its colonial uh, foundations, uh, absolutely not. Uh, I, I would go as far as to say, as, as, as I think we know here, that, that, the, that the opposite of this, of, of this that keeping um, our rights uh, from us uh, by, by whatever uh, brutal and, and barbaric means is, is a foundational basis for, for this particular enterprise. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that, bro. You, you know, like I said, you, you're the researcher. You've been digging into history as of late quite a bit. And uh, it's hard not to see that. There has been no time where, even from Reconstruction on, where we had the second founding of America because of the new Constitution, these amendments made, the post-Reconstruction amendments, 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment, that those actual amendments have been respected. Right now, we're still fighting for the right to vote. We still have five and a half million people who are disenfranchised, at least five and a half million people right now. And we recently saw what the Republican Party would do to keep just the people who are out on the streets, regular citizens, from voting. Uh, now they're trying to put forth with le- legislation that will restrict it even further. Um, so there really has never been a time. If we're trying to build something new, it's going to be a nation where we... Uh, are doing something that's never been done before, like having our rights respected. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic back to my co-host, Yusef Hassan. I'm sure that there's a couple questions you want to get in, and we've got about uh, eight minutes before I want to get into the music break. and the, Not the music break, but the, the clip about the 13th Amendment. Yeah, so uh, let's see. Who have we heard from? Uh we haven't heard Otis. from Otis Griffin yet. We haven't heard from Otis I mean, other than saying, hey, he's happy to be here and everything. But uh, <laughs> So, Otis, I want to ask you a, a question about the uh, Eighth Amendment, as, uh, as it, as specifically as it applies to the second portion, the excessive fines and fees. What, in, in, in your experience and your knowledge have the has the eighth amendment the second clause been violated has it been denied who are the violators 
Do you mind reading Second Clause? Put it fresh in my mind because I would just tell you uh, preemptively, uh, we've done, I had the pleasure of doing a lot of research with Scotty Reed and Max along the way talking about cash bail and uh, severely underfunded public defenders, you know, all the way through to the Khalif Browder thing. The, the revenue streams created as people are shackled in jail, not because they are guilty, but because they can't afford bonds. So I read section two, and then we can delve down into it. But I okay, use so to Mac. I'll read it. I have it up in front of me. I can read it out loud. It's not that long. Excessive bail sure. shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. And that's it. So when you ask me, is that true? I I think I just hit on one of them that we kind of drove home when we were in the heyday of making the point that it's uh, it's has a negative impact. Khalif Browder is is the name that comes to me, and I mean y'all really delved into it and end up talking to his brother shortly after that, and we know the outcome of that brother three years and then got out and the damage that was done to him in the three years of illegal captivity, all behind not being able to pay cash bail. Simply I that. think that's, that's right. That's about the best I can tell you. And I, I learned that from Scotty Reed and yours truly, Max Parthas. Yeah, okay, it, it, so... It's a violation. Oh, go I'm ahead, sure. Max. I'm sorry. I'm just adding to what he said, that it is a habitual violation, systemically violated. Uh, it, when you got examples like a Khalid Browder who... Uh, have to go through this hell on earth in a prison for adults as a child, and we're paying $350,000 a year to incarcerate him, and he can't even afford a $500 bail, nor can his mother or his brother or his whole family put together because of the conditions that we are living in. So that is automatically a violation of the Constitution. It's more than he can afford. And the the only other thing before y'all move on, I appreciate the ability to talk, it, that that's one of the extreme ones. But then I've also working around local stuff, realized that it strikes so much worse even in the day to day lives of people with city and county jails when you mm-hmm. lose jobs and get evicted and can't pay childcare and the things add up. So we sometimes we tend to look at things as though it's just an isolated case. But the devastating erosion of family on a daily basis is also a part of that. Yeah, yes, you know, uh, Otis Scotty, Scotty here. Um, the um, somebody mentioned it earlier. Uh, Ferguson is America. Um, mm-hmm. Really exposed what you talked about. I think that program really showed how you Get know Scotty. these people just didn't start marching out of nowhere. You know, and what led up to what happened to Mike Brown. But, yeah, that Ferguson in America. Uh, uh, what was the name of it exactly, Max? Ferguson is America. Yeah. That was it. Ferguson is America. And we mm-hmm. showed through every state uh, how some were even worse than Ferguson. State after state. We we used the city as the name Ferguson is America, but we studied the states as a total every week. And the relationships to prisons, how much they were spending, how many inmates they had how much it costs to incarcerate people, all the things that you might want to know and show that the, that was what we found out that there's no state in this union where there are more white people incarcerated than black, regardless of population distribution. Max, I believe we have uh Benu on the line. Brother Benu, if you're on the line, can you press one? So we know you're on the line. 
and we'll just wait and see if the someone presses one. But in the All meantime, right. we can keep moving. Okay. I just um, see. Uh, yeah. If, if, but Go ahead, if, brother. Yeah, if you're there or anybody that wants to have something to say, please press one well, let me, so that we know. Let me uh, Go ahead. If I could, if I could, let me just uh, add on to that point that Scotty was making and stressing again with the Ferguson and America series, and with that started from that central point within Ferguson, it's not just the Mike Brown story. I mean, I guess kind of a refresher. It's not just Michael Brown's murder. It's that it, that opened up, like starting right mm-hmm. after his murder, they went into a media blackout in the city of Ferguson. And throughout, uh, throughout that time, everybody was like, why are they going on a media blackout? Then we found out within the next couple of days, they actually blacked out the media because the people were still going about their day-to-day lives being persecuted by the municipal court system there in the city of Ferguson. And they literally had people lined up around the block. Mm-hmm. That would have been on the news. You would have been able to see those people lined up around the block outside of the courthouse just trying to answer to the little BS, ticky tech lifestyle violations and whatever they were doing giving people tickets for the grass being too high, giving people all kind of crazy parking tickets, all kind of speed traps, because the suburb of Ferguson is just like all those cities around St. Louis that feed into St. Louis. And so those people are living there having to travel by car to back and forth to work. And a lot of those people with suspended licenses or any kind of traffic violation, anything that happens to mess up their check-to-check life, it just they go straight to jail, just like what we just talked about, Mm-hmm. No bail. We were talking about stories of people losing their jobs, the kids not being able to be picked up from daycare. They don't even know where their children are because they just get locked up one morning on their way to work. So these people were being persecuted like crazy. That story, that Ferguson in America series showed clearly that it's something like 27,000 people in Ferguson, period. So obviously, if they've got 35,000 opened arrest warrants, there's some kind of serious problem going on there. So we right. saw the Washington Post pick up that story. Radley Balco was a good reporter, picked up that story, did a whole expose on like 10 different little areas around St. Louis that was doing the same damn thing. Running them people through a little, what they call a kangaroo court system, running them up through debt, threatening them with jail time, constantly throwing them in and out of jail, ruining their quality of life. So that's what the protest was about. It wasn't entirely about that young man being murdered, even though that was enough. Right. It just was then- part of the bigger story. Uh, Absolutely. uh, There was one point where we did a where Channel Five News did this series called uh, "Policing for Profit," and the focus was on Missouri and what they were doing in that area where you just described, Yusuf, Johanna, where there was like four or five different entrances to other areas off of that highway, and they had the cops parked at each one of them, and some people would get stopped by every single one of those spot checks. Along the way, and it was just, I think it was 80% black faces that they were stopping doing this as they were coming through. And that's how they were making their money for each of these counties well, Mac, as people came past. Mac, can I interject this? Um, to, to, to drive home your point, and those were actually different municipalities, so the tickets were even worse because you're across different jurisdictions. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I was saying to you. Mm-hmm. Even with this, even when people don't realize within your own neighborhood, because I'm a little older. I, I, can, I have the young guys, 17, 18 years old, some of them 25 or 30. When they talk about it, they get a misdemeanor or something, lose that job, then what? The grandparents mad, the mom's mad. It, it ripples through. And that's just for a fine that might have been $75. That, that, that they're, they're doing this 
randomly and you find out 40 or 50% of the revenue is coming from that. I stopped there. Hey, hey you uh, heard of kettling? You guys ever heard of that term kettling? When they funnel yep. protesters, the police funnel protesters down the street where they set up an ambush to you mm-hmm. know, pepper bomb and pepper spray them, make arrests mm-hmm. and all of that and put people in jail. I, I just thought about that, you know, in the abstract. That's what they're doing to these communities all over that that you guys are, are detailing, you know, what was covered over all the years, the different, you know, areas that we were looking into. But it's basically just kettling. You know, we call it slave catching, but, you know, it's also kettling. Just, you know, mm-hmm. you can't throw them in jail. Right. You just, you just, you just uh, take their they, wages. You remember you know? Philandro Castile, when it finally came out, he was a, he was employed and was a beloved person at, what, this cafeteria at his private school? But when it was all said and done, that man had something like 43 tickets in 48 months? He had been stopped almost 50 times in his life. Right. By police just going back and forth to work. And, and if I can just time. if I can yeah. just go back to Ferguson for one second, because anytime we bring up Ferguson, we would be remiss if we don't uh remember Kajimi Powell, the brother who sacrificed his life to prove a point as to right, how right. quickly yep. that RIP officers will pull out weapons and gun us down in the street for the most minor of offenses. Yep. For the most minor that, of offenses. And brother so, for those too. that don't know that story, here is the deep. Real quick. Here's the deep. So you you Scotty, Scotty can you come closer to your mic or something? We're having trouble hearing you. Okay, is that better, fellas? Not really. A little bit. Okay, so Kajimi Powell went into a store, went into a store, um, got two items. One was a drink and one was another item. And he did purposely didn't pay for them, went outside the store, sat on the curb, and wait for the police. And he was unarmed, and he had people there filming it, and they filmed his murder by the police who responded to a nonviolent crime to an unarmed uh, black male. That's the deeds. Over a $2 theft. Well, we're talking about crimes against humanity, and those are rooted in constitutional violations. This is the reason why we're having this discussion today, that they're trying to keep it around the Constitution. Uh, Eighth Amendment violations, Fourth Amendment, Sixth Amendment violations, Fourteenth uh, Amendment violations, all that is occurring. But it also is rooted in the Thirteenth Amendment. So in that original clip that we heard earlier from CBS News, where they said that people are now going to the, uh, I think, what is it called, the American Constitutional organization or whatever it's called. You'll hear about it. Constitution Center of America. Constitution Center of America to find out what's going on. I said, well, let me go and see what they have to say about the 13th Amendment. And what they have to say about the 13th Amendment is very important. Um, And it also uh, leads into what we've been proposing now for our second season is the use of badges and incidents of slavery. Because what's happened to Lee Browder's was happening in Missouri with the tickets and fines and fees. These are all badges and incidents of slavery. So let's listen to that, and then we'll come back and get some more commentary after we absorb this information. If you got a notebook, make sure you start taking notes. We'll be right back. You're listening to Abolition Today. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Today. Um, well, let's Today. jump right into that magic. And uh, Jamal Green, you wrote with Jennifer 
McMason Award for the Interactive Constitution a common statement about what you both agreed the 13th Amendment was originally intended to achieve. Tell our listeners about what you and Professor Award agreed about the 13th Amendment. Uh, so thank you, Jeff. Uh, so uh, it actually wasn't so difficult for uh, me and Professor McElroy to uh, agree on uh, the, 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 both the original and the current understanding of the uh, 13th Amendment as understood by the Supreme Court. Um, as, we, uh, as we wrote in, on our, in our contribution, and as is uh, certainly clear from the text of the amendment and its history, the most straightforward thing that the 13th Amendment accomplished is emancipation, obviously, for uh, 4 million slaves, mostly of African descent, uh, mostly in the uh, southern border, border states of the United States following the Civil War. Important uh, for our listeners to distinguish this from the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, which uh, also had a liberating effect on slaves, but those were only slaves held in southern states uh, uh, who, were, who had rebelled. Uh, so not those slaves were in union control. And more importantly, the Emancipation Proclamation was an executive proclamation, not a constitutional amendment and not even a federal statute. So uh, this really solidified the, the status of slavery as something that is um, forever prohibited within the United States. Uh, a couple of interesting things about the 13th Amendment that make it um, somewhat special. It's, uh, it, there's no uh, reference to state action in the 13th Amendment, so it's stated almost in a kind of passive voice. It says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime wherever the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States. So it's a quite a broad statement. Uh, and uh, it also uh, refers directly to slavery. Uh, it's the first time in the Constitution that slavery is directly mentioned, and of course it's mentioned in the context of eliminating it. Now, the 13th Amendment has two sections, Section 1, which is the prohibition on slavery and involuntary servitude, and then Section 2, which empowers Congress uh, to enforce the first section of the amendment by appropriate legislation. Uh, and so we have to think about those two provisions uh, in, their, in their own particular context. Uh, section 1... Uh, on slavery and involuntary servitude has been interpreted by the court to go uh, so somewhat beyond the chattel slavery uh, that we associate uh, with the, the 13th Amendment, uh, but not far beyond. So, uh, so that certainly it prohibits slavery as we would typically understand it, but when we think about involuntary servitude, that also extends to, uh, to, uh, to, to a specific uh, performance of, of service contracts, it extends to um, peonage laws that make people people work in order to pay off the debt, um, but uh, but the section one has not been interpreted as extending very far beyond um, these uh, these basic practices, and it's also uh, it also has some some limitations. So certain practices that we might think of as forms of monetary servitude, uh, so prison labor uh, falls uh, mostly within the exceptions clause that says except as a punishment for crime, uh, military service, compulsory military service uh, as uh, not been interpreted as something that falls within the 13th Amendment, compulsory jury service, public service in general. As to Section 2, though, the court has recognized that uh, that Section 2 of the amendment, which empowers Congress, might be read uh, to allow Congress to go somewhat beyond uh, slavery itself, to reach what the court has referred to as the badges and incidents of slavery. And here, this was certainly originally understood, under, the congressional power was originally understood, to uh, enable Cong Congress to do some work in dismantling 
the social system that surrounded slavery. So uh, in not enabling uh, former slaves, free slaves to uh, own property, uh, to have very restrictive labor laws that restricted their ability to work in various ways. Uh, those kinds of, uh, of additional practices that go beyond slavery, Congress can certainly reach under the 13th Amendment. And uh, in, in modern times, uh, the court has gone, Congress has gone further than that, and the court has, has, uh, has blessed that. Uh, so uh, in the Civil Rights Act of 1866, Congress uh, passed a law banning racial discrimination with respect to certain kinds of civil rights. Certain of those of the sections of that act survive today as Section 1982 and Section 1981, uh, and those prohibit uh, private racial discrimination in private uh, in, in housing uh, as well as uh, in uh, contracting. Uh, that's been interpreted in a series of recent cases to al allow Congress to reach private housing discrimination and also uh, racial discrimination in uh, school admissions. Uh, at the uh, it's it's an, it's uh, it's power under Section Two of the Thirteenth Amendment. So congressional power is, uh, goes beyond uh, the underlying Section One of the amendment, but uh, the core part of the amendment has been interpreted to basically apply to slavery, involuntary servitude, with some uh, some exceptions and some limitations on the margin. Abolition. 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 You just heard Jamal Green uh, talking about the Thirteenth Amendment and representing the Constitution Center of America from 2020. Uh, he pointed out many of the things that we've been saying, these, this tool that you can use regarding badges and incidents in slavery, and it also showed just how clearly they understand that what this thing allows. Uh, he talked about the prison labor. So let's pass the mic around. Uh, my co-host first, Yusuf. So as he was speaking, you know, the first thing I thought about is, you know, back to episode one of this uh, season where our actual topic was badges and incidents of slavery. And, you know, we went through many of the court cases right after the passing of the 13th Amendment and how the courts always said, well, you know, we do something about it, but uh, the 13th Amendment is in our way. Like, we can't. We can't interfere in anything that's going on in the prisons because of the 13th Amendment, but Congress can do something. And we know that there have been, you know, many novelty things that have been done over the years, but there's been no real systemic change. And when we talk about intentions, see, you judge a person by their actions, not by their words. And therefore, we've seen... We have 155 years of activity, and so we can see what the intention of the 13th Amendment is. So no one can really truthfully sit back and say, well, it's not this or it's not that. I mean, it's clear because we see the only difference between pre-1865 and today is that rather than it being owned by the individual, it's now owned by the state in the federal government and corporate entities. And so that's what I have to say on that. I would just remind as we pass the mic, you know, we're short on time, you know, we're in the eight o'clock hour. So if all of the guests can just keep their comments, you know, as brief as possible. All right. You want to pass it around? Uh, let's go to Scotty Reed. Scotty Reed, uh, you want to comment on what you just heard there? 
Yeah, you can tell that he is a lawyer because he used a whole bunch of words. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the Nazis can't really follow all of that. Just too many words. I'm sorry <laughs> you were saying something else. You said you know, buckets but of let, words. Let me just put it simply. Yeah, because we're short on time. Let's keep it simple. Basically, what he said is that there are illegal forms of slavery that are outlawed and in Congress mm-hmm. or outlawed those things and pass legislation, and then there's a legal form of slavery. And it hinges on the first section of the 13th Amendment, which says, except as punishment for crime. So, again, mm-hmm. it's legal slavery, the only slavery that is that exists, well, excuse me, not the only slavery, but it, like Max would often say, all the other slavery is illegal already. Oh, you know, I can't go kidnap a, a 12-year-old and go make him pick peaches or whatever. That's already illegal, but the only legal form of slavery um, that people profit off of is hinges on the 13th Amendment. And so why, you know, I, I'm short of the revolution of the mind which is needed among the masses to have a real revolution for those that want to go that route. Um, but right now, um, nonviolently, in, in the spirit of what Dr. King and others was working towards, I do see the 13th Amendment once you remove that exception clause and, you know, repeal. First you have to repeal the 13th Amendment, then you got to come with another amendment totally outlawing slavery. Then I think that we can work through the courts to free some people and make them, you know, uh, uh, pay people $15 an hour or whatever the federal minimum wage is. And then the labor, uh, uh, what is it, labor, OSHA, and all that, they'll be covered, you know, and all of that. So I'll leave it at that. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you for that, Scotty. Uh, how about you, uh, Johanan? Haven't heard from you in a few minutes. I mean, Johan, are you still off, with us? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, piggybacking okay. off what Scotty just uh, off what Scotty just said is going to be tough. I mean, that that sums it up as far as practical efforts or steps that can be taken, hopefully to to actually make change. Um, but you know, going back to being on New Abolitionist Radio days, or just in my own personal life or activism I'm involved in, I I study history too, and this would be the first time that the people on the bottom with the boots on their necks got the boot up off their necks by asking. All right. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's all aspects of this fight. We had had everything from Nat Turner to Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and even uh, Box Brown. <laughs> We've had them all. And they all played right. their roles. All right. So, uh, let's let's go ahead and pass it around again and reach out to Tag. Tag, you still there, bro? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Another another interesting clip. What struck me, especially right there toward the end, is when he said uh, that there are some exceptions at, at somewhere at the margins, on the margins, and uh, that that struck me as just uh, indicative of the the normalization of of enslavement that exists out here and it's long standing but it just uh it just seems to me that regardless of how you approach it there are you know seemingly infinite different ways to to misdirect from the realities of of slavery and that's one example of just calling that uh, on the margin so he 
we both acknowledge that slavery is accepted in these circumstances. He, he specifically pointed toward prison labor and then went on to say, well, you know, there are some exceptions on the margins, as if to say, but by and large, besides these margins where slavery still is around, you know, <laughs> everything is everything. And, you know, it, it, it speaks to, to what they've been doing as far as the deception is concerned. And uh, even the tone in which he quoted the 13th Amendment struck me as misdirection, where he read the exception clause almost as if they were ellipses, as if it was to say dot, 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 and then got back, you know, more energetic uh, after the exception clause was read. So mm-hmm. it's, it's all, all manner of tactics. You, you you nailed it with that one. The word that he used, I believe, was mostly. Uh, he's like, it mostly falls under the uh, except for prisoners duly convicted parts, uh, prison labor. No, it's not mostly. It does. That's it. That's what it falls under right there. You know, mostly. Show me the one that doesn't fall under that. Yeah, you 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 caught him in his in his BS on that one. Let's go ahead and run it over to Otis next. Okay, gentlemen. Well, you, Max, you kind of know what my thing is. All of y'all have been on point, but I think when you back up and look at it, I, I'm a country guy. That that thing is really loaded and concise because they also tell you that except, but they say duly convicted, and then we've done enough research to understand what duly convicted does means that it doesn't matter if you got a celebrated New York City investigator that put 50 or 60 people in jail and lied about it and you get away with it. doesn't matter if the country bumpkin that picks you up has false charges. Once you're driven through that system, you become a revenue stream for so many different places, even if you get out and what, plea bargain because of overcharges from prosecutors. So we're winning on one front, but there's enough warriors out here to understand this war is going to be fought on multiple fronts, and we got to be ready for it. I appreciate being in the fight with you, gentlemen. Thank you, Brother Otis. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and see if there's anybody else that wanted to chime in uh, and comment on what you heard through the clip there and the commentary that we've been having so far. I see we've got an, an 803 line open, so let's bring you in. 6218, you are here on Abolition today. Uh, could you state your name, where you call it from, and your question or comment? Peace. This is Palmetto Star, the Ratchet Revolutionary. Uh, I'm calling from Atlanta. Um, you know, peace, listening Palmetto. to Abolition Radio. Peace, peace. What's going on, Max Partis? And you know, I'm seeing what's happening. Um, you know, they're ending the the whole legislation of ending the private prison industry um, <laughs> and things of that nature. You know. Um, yeah, I have mixed feelings about it. You know, I have mixed feelings about it. And I know I just, I'm tuning in late, so I didn't get a chance to hear everybody's, what everybody was thinking about it. But, you know, um, it just seems, it seems contrived a little bit. But, I mean, it's good. But I, but the fact is that it, that legislation didn't free any black person. And, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's all, these people are still in these, in these, Cells in this in these prisons, you know what I'm saying. So that legislation, while I, it, it seems, you know, it seems like um, a step in the right direction, it still didn't free anybody. You know what I'm saying. So, I, you know, that that's my feelings on that. 
but I do. I love this broadcast, and I love what you're doing with this, and 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 bringing the abolition movement forward and forward, and um, onward and upward, like the honorable Mark, mm-hmm. um, Messiah Marcus Garvey said. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that for sure. Um, yes. I do want to make some clarifying statements, though, in regards to what uh, President Biden has done with his decision to phase out federal private prison contracts. Uh, I haven't been able to do the full research myself, so somebody breathing into the the, the mic, if you could just, like, step your nose back a little bit. But anyway, uh, (laughs) I haven't been able to do the full research. (laughs) It's starting to sound kind of pervy now. No, (laughs) I haven't haven't done the full research. So Brother Bernard Timberlake sent me some data, and he said – that it's only 12 prisons and it's only 14,000 people that fall under these contractual obligations uh, with wow. the federal private prisons, representing a very small percentage of the full private prison population, let alone the full prison population. So uh, I think it's 8% that he said it represents. And then further on, uh, wow. with that, some of these contracts, I've seen at least one myself, still have nine years left before they come up for review. Uh, others have five wow. years before they come up review, meaning that what he just did was nothing. He'll be gone as uh. president after one term, and the next guy can come in and rescind or reverse his executive order, and there would be no harm and no foul uh, because the contracts ain't wow. even coming up yet. So w- what they're doing exactly. is just a you know a bait and switch. Go ahead. Right. Exactly. If, if I could ride it's on butter. Way, it's butter. Bit. They're buttering yeah. black people yeah. up for the oven. Exactly. Right on that point that you uh, right on that point you made, you remember, and Scotty, I mean everybody that's a part of this remembers clearly when Obama said this same thing toward the end of his last term. Right. Mm-hmm. And it tanked and it tanked the stocks of the private prison companies. And even one private prison company that I had been watching that hadn't quite been ready to go fully fully integrated into the system, they went completely out of the game. So we saw their t- stock tank before, but that's because those contracts were coming up for renewal, and they and their and their investors saw the importance and the impact potentially of that statement being made. This time around, the point they didn't have to halt trading. They halted trading the when, when Obama made that statement. I was critical of Obama because he waited to the last couple of months of his second term. Now, if he's done this in his first term, and he did too, he did eight years. So the question is, in the private prison slavery business, it doesn't matter how long your contract is if your stock bottoms out. Then your company has to shut down, as Johanna just said, one company did shut down. So... So I see that as a positive. Now, in relation to the 14,000, that's not including our immigrant and migrant brothers and sisters in private prison slavery, which is even more illegal because they have been duly convicted as uh, our abolitionist attorney uh, uh, sister. I forget her name from California. Came on uh, uh, New speak Radio. No, she yeah. No. No, this is a Chinese lady, a uh, Chinese-American oh, yeah, Chan, lady. Chan. Angela Chan, I think it was? Yeah, 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 that was her name. Remember her? And she was saying in the immigrants in those cases that are, that, which is heavily using 
private prisons, that that's not even legal slavery under the 13th Amendment because they haven't been convicted of crime. That's all civil stuff. Right. Is that right? Slavery is trafficking on a global level. Yes. The, the, the stocks tanking is a good thing. Like you said, Scotty, if they go all the way to the bottom, they go out of business. But on the day that that happened during the Obama administration, Wall Street stopped trading specifically to rescue the for-profit prison stocks. On this occasion when it happened, another reason suddenly popped up for them to be able to stop trading. Uh, what was going on with GameStop happened basically the same day. Uh, so we saw the stocks like they jumped off a cliff. They were diving straight down uh, mm-hmm. in real time. We watched that happen. And then uh, suddenly it got mixed in with the other things and it's trading stopped. Yeah. So the like, group went down 40% that day before they halted trading and uh, corrections corporation of America went down 35%. And then on the heels of that decision, we had a, uh, CCA changed its name to Core Civic, and they are under contract right now. So we can even see that it was a trick that they played at that time. And so, therefore, we know that there's no real sustenance behind anything going on right now. We know that these contracts are lasting 20 and 25 years. Hold on. So. Yes, you just gave me a great idea. Now, with the GameStop, they started short-selling. Those investors on Reddit started short-selling GameStop, and that's why they stopped it illegally. There's going to be a congressional investigation, and I thank you for connecting the, the timing that it also stopped trading on prison stocks and what have you. But what if, the, what if we could get masses of people? This was all started on Reddit, on social media, on the Internet. And, and we got a bunch of investors to start short selling right. the stocks, and so you'll have to do a whole financial series on what short selling these prison stocks would do to kill a company. Well, that's just, a brilliant idea, so, Scotty Reed. Yeah, just so, just just so we're factual. Yeah, hold on one second, brother. Just so we're factual, it's it's kind of the other way around. So what was happening? The hedge funds was shorting the stocks and the people on Reddit started optioning and it was forcing the hedge funds to reinvest in companies they were already betting on that were going to be failing. But what you, what you presented Scotty is definitely an excellent idea. And uh, who was that? Johanning speaking. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to no, make no. sure that we put c- no, the no, correct you... information out there as to right. what process was going on. Right, and you brought some necessary clarity to it. I was uh, just kind of riding along with it, just thinking about even from in terms of uh, like how we saw the the, uh, the vest campaign grow throughout the country over the last few years. Um, you know, with, with universities getting behind mm-hmm. it, it was a, it was a movement. You know, kind of from the youth, it was something that again, I'm I can't apologize, man. Their record is what it is. This is another time BLM kind of stepped in between when we had the vestiture. Uh, movement starting to, to take on momentum all of a sudden we have to get intersectional and worry about other things and kind of leave that alone so that's something that kind of got left in the in the background every single time every single time to what you're talking about now and that's what all i was saying was unfortunately this is a such a racist racist nation that even this like in a reddit type situation where you could be in a social media conversation and get people riled up and say hey this is a strategy we can all get rich if we play the market this way, we can sway things this way or that. 
you're going to have a great number. Unfortunately, I would suspect you would have a great number of people that are in a position to affect that and have the knowledge of the market and, and would be in those kind of spaces and would go along with something like that if it didn't have to do with the fact that this whole thing is so racist. It's so many black folks, so many brown folks involved in these problems. They would get more of a thrill out of playing games with Wall Street and playing games with GameStop and hedge funds and shy away from having anything to do with letting everybody out of prison is the way they're going to frame it. So this is, I mean, this is the nuance of what we're dealing with. And like you said, they know what they're doing. They know how to counteract. And we also know where we are at, which is actually a domestic prison colony. So, you know, at the end of the day, tactics are going to have to involve, like like the brother said, are all-encompassing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know, uh, Max, do you want to play the last clip and then maybe give everyone yeah, like 30 seconds to respond to it? No, let, let, you read my mind to a degree, but let's let's do it like this. Uh, let's go ahead and go full circle and give everybody a chance to say some final comments uh, before we play the clip. Because uh, it's kind of a long clip, like, uh, what is it? About seven, seven and a half minutes yeah, or something like minutes. that. Right, and, and and it just accents everything we've been saying here tonight. But let's start with some final commentary for the program tonight. Uh, we'll listen to that together. Then you and I, you and I will have to do uh, our sponsors' uh, uh, shout-outs as well as right. a couple of news items that we want to bring to the table. And then we'll close it out with our Bridging the Gap segment all in the next half hour. So let's start uh, with Brother Otis Griffin. Otis Griffin, anything that you want to leave with us? Uh, before we uh, move into the next segment? Yes. Uh, look, it's been a pleasure working with you guys. I learned a lot on research, dedication, staying focused. Don't let apparent setbacks uh, drive you off the mission. I appreciate it. It's, it's been a wonderful journey, and I can see y'all are making headway. Got you covered. Much love, my brothers. Thank yes, you, brother. Sir. Yes, appreciate sir. appreciate you. Mm-hmm. That's the All right, OG. Uh, We'll go to Tag next, Brother Tag. Uh, thank you for being here today, brother. So any final comments you want to share or information? Well, thank you, and, and thank you all, and just appreciate that it's uh, continuing to build against slavery in, in more ways than one. And, uh, you know, we just have to continue with it. And, and my thoughts, and I know all of our thoughts are, are staying with uh, Brother Kinetic Justice and all of those right now who are being uh, severely uh, mistreated uh, inside right now as, as they are constantly under these conditions. Indeed. Thank you, brother. Uh, mind you, I'm not telling y'all guys to jump off the phone. Continue to listen with us. It is going to be a powerful show for the rest of the broadcast as well. Um, let's go ahead and go on to Brother Johanan. Uh, it has been a pleasure being able to build with you on this level again, man. And I hope it's not the last. Uh, we got to get together more often. All right? Indeed, indeed. I appreciate the opportunity. It has been uh, it has been a pleasure. And one of the one of the things that I'm I'm most proud of in my in my life, to be honest with you and straightforward with y'all, to be invited into, you know, by you and Scotty, like I said, through that political prisoner radio, just hearing that and and how that was motivated me personally. So to be invited in and allowed space to grow and learn and and become you know, more and more of the man that I need to be, it just, it changed my life and it's still changing my life. So I appreciate y'all. And like I told you, Max, personally, you know, I appreciate you continuing, continuing the work 
you know, and getting it to where it's at now. And so I've said about all I could really say. I, I don't really need to, you know, keep going down the road. I'm going, y'all know mm-hmm. what time it is, and everybody here does. So I ain't playing like I'm Billy Badass or nothing. But it's got to be a certain spark to the fight, too. It can't all be legislation. It can't all be, you know, because these people built the country off of breaking treaties. These people run mm-hmm. the world off of, off of breaking laws, off of ignoring right. rules. So I just don't believe in going down that road entirely. But at the same time, we got to do, you know, like I said, on all fronts. So as I still say to this day, peace to the abolitionists and death to the oppressors. There it is. Oh, it's been so long since (laughs) I heard that, man. Oh, oh, (laughs) Oh, man. He made me think of the time when we was listening to Frederick Douglass's narrative read by Ossie Davis. And he was talking about during the fugitive slave laws, and this particular family that had escaped uh, and made it to his house. And along the way, they was followed by these out uh, slave catchers of his family, of a father and two sons. They said he killed the father and wounded one of the sons, and then they got one of the posses to start chasing him to get to his house. And when he finally got they got to his house in Rochester, he was like, these, these are heroes. I can't look at them as murderers. They're trying to get their freedom. They were trying to kill them, and now they fought right. back. And that's what ended the fugitive slave laws because they started doing things like that. Yes, sir. So yeah, you made me rethink of that. Uh, all right, let's go on to Scotty Reed. Scotty Reed, man, appreciate you, brother, it's, uh, for syndicating the program on the Black Talk Radio Media Network, Black Talk Radio Network, as well as contributing all these years to the cause, including today. Any final comments? Uh, yeah, I was just reminded, man, of just um. All, all the years, man, just pout, bouncing stuff, brainstorming is the word I'm looking for. I was just reminded, I got deja vu of how we would brainstorm on new abolitionist radio and come up with all these nuanced ways of attacking <laughs> yep. the issue of 21st century slavery right. and human trafficking. And so tonight, you know, I don't think we ever, you know, we, we talked about the stock market when we were pushing the Justice is Not for Sale Act. And, and which will be permanent and not an executive order, which can be overturned. But you know, uh, then us discussing, you know, Max talking about GameStop, and that's making me thinking about, hey, I heard something about mm-hmm. shorting stocks and stuff like that, and how you could kill a company that way. And if we could get, you know, millions of people, but I recognize the challenges. You know, we got your honey to give us the, you know, the the, the other consideration. And yeah. All them millions of white boys is willing to do that and play around with Wall Street, but to attack slavery, you know, we got we still got a revolution of the mind to wage over there as well, you know, with them. Um, so I, I was just reminded of that, man, and, and most of all, I'm thankful for is everybody is still uh, breathing. Everybody walking on top of it still as black men with targets on our back behind the enemy lines. A USA Inc. for all of us after all of these years not to be in prison slavery or six feet under, man, is truly a blessing, man. I'm going to continue, you know, to be in solidarity with y'all and keep y'all in my heart and in my prayers. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. I want to take a moment to do two things before we do play this clip. One is I want to give, I want to let the family of my pastor, Terry Barrett, know that our hearts are with you during this time. They just lost, uh, we just lost him today. Terry Barrett here in Columbia, South Carolina area. We helped build his church. We've known him for 20 years. He's married by children. 
And uh, today he passed the COVID, and his wife is also in critical care right now, too. So we are praying for the strength for that family here. Yeah, sure right. enough. Sure enough. And uh, also, since we didn't get Brother Benu to come on and give us the update, I will read to you what has been published from Alabama prisons or death camps. And they said that, uh, update everyone, this situation appears to have started from a mental health crisis involving Mr. Ethan Moore, who is a severely challenged mentally ill person. Kinetic Justice was attempting to interfere after it was clear that officers were about to beat Mr. Moore to death. Uh, I've heard the descriptions. They said that he was hit in the head with an axe-like object that split his skull from the top of his head to his jaw. Uh, And I believe that was his tooth that they were talking about they had found. And so kinetic justice intervened and was brutalized because of that. So that's the update. So we have, last I heard, kinetic was conscious and in stable condition. Uh, They did airlift him out as well as others who were involved. Uh, But and I think uh, they said he's in the hospital now. So look at, uh, go to the website for more information on Facebook. That's Alabama Prisons or Death Camps. Uh, and check out our family there. All right. We're going to go ahead and play this clip. I think you'll enjoy it and get a lot out of it. Um, it's How to Get Away with Murder uh, by it's Annalise's speech to the Supreme Court scene and it's followed by Sons of an Illustrious Father, Sixth Amendment. You're listening to Abolition Today. We'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Today. As an arbiter of the law with whole knowledge of historical jurisprudence in this country, race must always be considered a variable. You have precious time, Miss Keating. I suggest that you don't waste it by making arguments you've already made. These are not my words, Justice Strickland. They're yours. You wrote them in your 1985 ruling in Bryant v. Topeka, an equal protection case dealing with a state housing lottery program. Racism is built into the DNA of America. And as long as we turn a blind eye to the pain of those suffering under its oppression, we will never escape those origins. The only safeguard people of color have is the right to a defense, and we won't even give them that. Which means that the promise of civil rights has never been fulfilled. Due to the failure of our justice system, our public defense system in particular, Jim Crow is alive and kicking. Laws that made it illegal for blacks and whites to be buried in the same cemetery. They categorize people into quadroons and octoroons. They punish a black person for seeking medical attention in a white hospital. Some may claim that slavery has ended. But tell that to the inmates who are kept in cages and told that they don't have any rights at all. People like my client Nathaniel Leahy and millions of people like him who are relegated to a subclass of human existence in our prisons. There is no alternative to justice in this case. There is no other option. To decide against my plaintiff is to choose lining the pockets of prison owners over providing basic defense for the people who live in them. And is that the America that this court really wants to live in? Where money is more important than humanity? Where criminality is confused with mental health? 
The Sixth Amendment was ratified in 1791. It's been 226 years since then. Let's finally guarantee its rights to all of our citizens.
us how to get away with murder, uh, a scene from there, uh, Annalise's speech to the Supreme Court. And it was followed by Sons of an Illustrious Father, Sixth Amendment. Uh, man, did you find yourself singing along with that like I did? That's I sure did, man. Did. Uh, uh, uh. Man, uh, but that's where we're at today. You know, our rights aren't being respected, and that's why we have this thing you call mass incarceration, which we call slavery, a system of slavery. It's why it's there. The Sixth Amendment is systemically violated, particularly for people who simply can't afford it, and uh, many of those are people of color. Uh, I was just doing the math earlier today, Yusuf, and, you know, we have more people in prison. We have more black men. Let's be very specific. We have more Mm -hmm. black men in prison in the United States than the top five populated African nations do combined. We have more than twice as many as they do. They've got over 570 million people collectively in their entire population. We've only got 47 million black people here. And we got more than twice as many black male prisoners as the top five populated African nations. Wow. Yeah, that's that's heavy. And uh, I encourage, you know, because this Sixth Amendment, you know, you and I did an entire episode on the Sixth Amendment, the, the myth of the Sixth Amendment back on uh, May 17th of 2020. And I encourage everyone to go listen to that because I believe that that's the most important amendment when it comes to feeding the beast. And you and I broke it down from the prosecutor's perspective and from the defense attorney and from the judge. We covered all three in that episode to show how each one plays a role in feeding this beast. So, we yeah, we, what a show tonight, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just been a wonderful experience, very learning for everyone involved, including those who participated, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, a, a revival thing, you know, where you, you needed that extra energy to get back up and start doing more and more. You know what I mean? I think everybody felt like I needed that push again. Uh, right. So, and we have been doing this for there's a collective hundred years plus sitting up in this room here now. Who we're talking about this issue. Uh, we are running short on time, and there were so many things that we did want to cover, and of course, we won't be able to get to. The cutting room floor of abolition today, and Brother Johan and and Scotty know what I'm talking about. It's Mm -hmm. like an iceberg where you only see the tip of it. That's what we get out here, the tip of it. But there's a whole lot underneath that we studied to get to the point where we were at today. Uh, I do want to mention a couple of those real quick in a speed run thing. Um, Okay. Oregon bill would enable people to vote in from prison. That's something I want to see a model go across the whole country. Uh, Ohio senator that was suggested black people were just, you know, um, filthy people, and that's why they were catching COVID, uh, catching COVID, has been appointed to the state's Senate health panel. (laughs) Wow. Um, (laughs) The Mm. Washington Post did a a fantastic write-up about the abolitionist movement. It's really good. You need to check it out. They were a little bit historically incorrect, but, you know, they're not getting their information from abolition today, (laughs) apparently. Right. But in any case, it was a big shout-out for us. Uh, there's a video where these officers detained this six-year-old at gunpoint. It was actually a woman and four children. Uh, one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. Made me want to get up and start a revolution right there at that moment uh, to hear the scream of those childs, those children. I'm going to try to share all of these on our page later tonight. <clears throat> Big shout-out to uh, Pastor Kenny Sharpton. 
uh, and Representative Diana Hart out of Florida, who made it possible for HJR 413 to happen, which is Florida's uh, attempt where we're going to vote out slavery in Florida. That, that's that's beautiful. Uh, Texas state Republicans are seeking to rename prisons after slavers. <laughs> like they want to rename <laughs> these prisons after slavers. Apparently, they already got a few of them named after slavers and human traffickers, and they want to name some more. Um, then there's this article about this 30-year lease plan, uh, $2.6 billion coming out of Alabama to build these new prisons, and how it's a big hustle. You should check that out. Uh, it's a lot more than the hustle. It's a system of slavery and human trafficking. Uh, see, I think there was one more thing over there. Uh, yes, on Thursday, a Florida state senator from the Republican Order of the Six proposed a measure that would block felons from being included in the $15 minimum wage increase that the state approved last year. So apparently felons aren't going to be eligible for the minimum wage uh, if this measure is adopted. There you go. All right. Passing it back to you, John. I mean, you said, hey, you have me both in the same room, dude. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know, I know, yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, just for the sake of time, uh, you know, like you said, you're going to get most of those articles up. It's a lot more news. Uh, in fact, remember to uh, subscribe to our YouTube page for all the news, information, and music you hear on the program. Uh, just to mention the sponsors, you know, thanks as always. Because without these sponsors, it wouldn't be abolition today. And that's Jailhouse Lawyers Speak. I am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network. Say My Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice. The Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center. Prismatic Dreams. And Black Talk Radio Network. Also remember to join the uh, movement at AbolishSlavery.us to become a part of the solution. We'll be back on Friday, uh, oh, Friday, <laughs> February seventh, uh, inshallah, God willing, with one another, with another episode of Abolition today. Don't forget to tune in to uh, live from the plantation Thursday nights at seven p.m. Central. That's eight p.m. Eastern. Especially, uh, we weren't able to get uh, Brother Benu on tonight, so hopefully, uh, there'll be some more information and more updates regarding kinetic justice this coming Thursday. Uh. If we have no further comments, Max, I can get into the bridging the gap. Did you have a quote or anything you wanted to leave us with, a maxism uh, or anything? You know, I actually did, but I said, you know what, I've already talked enough tonight. There's so much for people to digest. I hope people took notes, particularly when we were playing the clips from these uh, experts and officials who suppose when they point to people that know, that's the people they point to. Uh, so I hope that they were paying attention. Uh, remember badges and incidents of slavery. Let's start using that and adopting that in our efforts as slavery abolitionists because um, we need it. And also, in order to have badge and an incident of slavery, it's got to be rooted in slavery. So let's not deny what we're dealing with so we can solve the problem. Because if we're not denying what we're dealing with, it's preventing us from using the tools that are necessary to solve the problem. And the problem is what does Scotty call it? Legal slavery. <laughs> is it, right? Absolutely. Right. Legal slavery. Uh, remember, you remember this, like you said, abolishslavery.us, sign up. We got a big meeting coming up February 9th, and uh, if you want to witness this meeting, national meeting, international meeting, actually, you need to go and sign up there. And check us out in our archives always at abolitiontoday.org. I'm Max Parthas. Love you. 
God bless and look after the family of my pastor. And we'll talk to you later. Peace. Peace, Max. So in our final segment, Kevin Oliver reads Peter Osborne, who was speaking to a crowd celebrating, quote unquote, American independence on July 5th, 1823. And it's going to be followed by the Black Eyed Peas, Ring the Alarm, Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3. So we thank you all for tuning in to Abolition Today this evening. Uh, As Max mentioned, archived podcasts can be listened to on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry, at Abolish. I'm sorry. Uh, What is our website? I can't believe I caught a brain (laughs) fart right there. Yeah, abolitiontoday.org. Oh, my goodness. And also all of your uh, favorite podcasts. We're talking Stitcher and iTunes and uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So check them out. We've been covering a lot of stuff for almost a year now. And as we close out the program, we thank our guests. Uh, Not even guests. These are our brothers. These are our comrades. Uh, Otis Griffin, Scotty Reed, Tag Harmon, and Brother Yohannan. So we thank you. Until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Abolition. Abolition. December 1st, 1832. Peter Osborne, Liberator. Fellow citizens, on account of the misfortunes of our color, our 4th of July comes on the 5th. But I hope and trust that when the Declaration of Independence is fully executed, which declares that all men, without respect to person, were born free and equal, we may then have our 4th of July on the 4th. It is thought by many that this is as impossible to take place as it is for the leopard to change his spots. But I anticipate that the time is approaching very fast. The signs in the north, the signs in the south, in the east and west, are all favorable to our cause. Why, then, should we forbear contending for the civil rights of free countrymen? What man of national feeling would slumber in content under the yoke of slavery and oppression in his own country? Not the most degraded barbarian in the interior of Africa. If we desire to see our brethren relieved from the tyrannical yoke of slavery and oppression in the South, if we would enjoy the civil rights of free countrymen, It is high time for us to be up and doing. It has been said that we have already done well, but we can do better. What more can we do? Why, we must unite with our brethren in the north, in the south, and in the east and west, and then with the Declaration of Independence in one hand and the Holy Bible in the other. I think we might courageously give battle to the most powerful enemy to this cause. The Declaration of Independence has declared to man, without speaking of color, that all men are born free and equal. Has it not declared this freedom and equality to us, too? What man would content himself and say nothing of the rights of man, with two millions of his brethren in bondage? Let us contend for the prize. Let us all unite and with one accord declare that we will not leave our own country to emigrate to Liberia nor elsewhere, to be civilized nor Christianized. Let us make it known to America that we are not barbarians, that we are not inhuman beings, that this is our native country, that our forefathers have planted trees in America for us, and we intend to stay and eat the fruit. 
Our forefathers fought, bled, and died to achieve the independence of the United States. Why should we forbear contending for the prize? It becomes every colored citizen in the United States to step forward boldly and gallantly defend his rights. What has there been done within a few years since the union of the colored people? Are not the times more favorable to us now than they were ten years ago? Are we not gaining ground? Yes, and had we begun this work forty years ago, I do not hesitate to say that there would not have been, at this day, a slave in the United States. Take courage, then, ye African Americans. Don't give up the conflict, for the glorious prize can be won. I'm a motherfucking conscious The whole world right now is fucking bonkers The internet is the brand new conqueror So watch out for the motherfucking monsters Yikes The trolls are the taunters Whoever controls the data got the answers They the one that got the code to the launcher And they be having dinner with the Pope and the mobsters They know the cure for the cancer Cure for the AIDS and they probably kill the cancer Put us in the cage, got us living like hamsters Put us in the dark, but I got me a lantern Open up my third eye, then I illuminate Really got a bird eye view, wanna elevate No Illuminati, baby, I'm God body The rapture like blindie, waking up zombie Wake up, wake up, sound the alarm Revolution time has come Wake up, wake up, sound the alarm Tell the people here come the
Clock ticking like we're running out of options. Villains in the White House, heroes in their crosses. Leaders double cross while we kneeling to our crosses. Who's policing the police? Why they stalking? All lives matter till your color was the target. Fox rounding up the sheep for the slaughter. Money over people while they're reaching for that dollar. All I see is lies on the screen. Land of the free, but what the fuck's free? What does it cost to let a nigga breathe? King had a dream, but we all still asleep, huh? They rob you blind and knowledge is a crime. The shit's designed to keep you on the grind. Rice and shine, cause now it's the time. We all got body if you open up your mind. Wake up. Wake up, wake up, sound the alarm. Revolution time has come. Wake up, wake up, sound the alarm. Tell the people, here come the storm. Wake up, wake up, sound the alarm. Revolution time has come. Wake up, wake up, sound the alarm. Ring the alarm, ring the alarm. Wake up, 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 wake up. Ain't nothing impossible, I tell myself that I am possible, I know that devil is out there and plotting those plans to stop me and put me in hospital bed, I say yo, I will not be toppled, I'm down with Jesus and I roll with the apostles, we got that big love, that love that's colossal, we meditate, ain't no need to get hostile, you cannot penetrate me with that hate, we got that good vibration on vibrate, stay on that way up cause we elevate, we got that big love, that love heavy weight, wait, wait, that's the gospel. That's the motherfucking gospel. Oh, that's the gospel. That's the motherfucking gospel. I tell them, yo, the movement's unstoppable. Pausing the flow, that is not optional. I let them know everything's solvable. When you know science, everything is plausible. I am defiant. I'm also logical. Politicians be tripping, they comical. So I sit back and listen to audio. Spiritual hip-hop, I call that hypnoticals. We Buddha boy, B-boy phenomenals. We Zulu kill zombies in Chronicles. We ain't falling cause we ain't dominoes. That revolution is on go, go, go. That's the gospel. That's the motherfucking gospel. Yup, that's the gospel. That's the motherfucking gospel. Abolition. 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 